Yellow space. Where are we playing? I don't know. Board games? Isn't that what we're talking I, about today? We are talking about board border games? Board border games. games? Like border lands? Done. Well, tapping out already. You're like, tapping out already. We're already done. First, well, <laughs> shortest episode it, ever. Well, guess what? Welcome to Every Man's Guide to Nerdum, where we are two 30 to 40 something year olds who talk about pretty much whatever we want. I'm Chris. And I'm Kyle. And if you guys would like to hang out with us and participate in the community in person, live or delayed or whatever, uh, join the Discord. We've got links in the show notes down below. Below. There it is, right below us. Um, Discord's free. We've got all kinds of topics to talk about from video games to uh, movies, anime, comics, TV shows, beer. Sports Here. games, wrestling, um, inappropriate pictures of Guyver posted on the internet. There's like, there's lots of things on there that you can check out if you really want to. That is a thing. Uh-huh. And if you want to uh, actually interact and hang out with us live in person, we stream together every Friday and Saturday night on Twitch. Chris over there is Guyver Unit 01, G U Y V E R U N T 01, uh, twitch.tv slash that. And then I'm, um, on the Twitch as KSIG, K underscore SIG. I stream a little bit more through the week, and hopefully we'll be getting Chris on there more through the week sooner or later. Maybe. Hopefully. 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 Um, Try once, once you recover from your injury, we'll be good. So, yeah, check it out. It's fun. Good times. Doesn't cost a dime. Just hang out. Make fun of us. A lot of people do it. Please do. Well, most people make fun of us while we play. Yep. Even when we don't ask them to. Mm-hmm. So we've got an interesting show today. I know What's it about? Uh, it's about an hour, hour 15. Oh, okay, what good. That's what we're shooting for. Um, we are talking about board games and tabletop games. And we've kind of done this a little bit, hinted on some things in the past. But we've got a amazing guest with us today, Mr. Matt Trammell, down below Woo! us also as well on Hello. my screen. So welcome, Matt. Hello. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. Oh, oh hey. hi, Matt. <laughs> so chris found matt somewhere um he, uh, Actually, in a in a haystack he was this little little sweet baby matt just looking yeah. up at me you you fed me fed me I straight fed from him. your teats it was, yeah, no, it, it was it was so delicious too it was chocolate milk um, God. i don't even know the science behind that i don't know if i want to know the science you don't want to know no don't ask his, questions his bosom it grew from love <laughs> i mean he's not wrong mm. okay i was i was shy up until this point but like <laughs> i was gonna breastfeed from chris so this is gonna be great yeah well, that's, no, that's that's we break in all of our guests it just doesn't always make it on the show but that's true too congratulations best friend from breast but uh, words oh, are hard yeah you know you guys are best friends so that's we're cool. best friends yeah wonderful we're bosom buddies there it is um oh, God. We derailed yeah, no, fast. Conti- continue, sir. Um, well, like how, how we met? Is that what you want me to go into? Uh, well, because we can do actually, that. Or... How we met was I started dating Whitney, 
and you threatened to destroy my whole online life if yep. I ever yep. heard her. And yep. honestly, from a very early point, I was very intimidated by you. So, <laughs> Whitney is a good friend of mine. Um, she will be on the show at a later date talking about Wonder Woman because for her love of Wonder Woman. And Matt happened to marry her. Just, just happened to. Just, just like happened. happened. To. It just happened. It just happened. He walked it. into it. So, but yeah. So, um, I, I, I tricked her. Basically, he, <laughs> he's a good tricker. <laughs> and uh, what backfired on him is Matt has triplets now. I do. So uh, they're I'm, I'm they are so cute, though. They are. They're pretty great. So, Kyle, what is the topic today? I know. I know you briefly mentioned it, but what are we going over? So today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about board games today. Um, and a little bit pre-show, we talked about board games, tabletop, what the difference is. Is there a difference? Is it a, like a conceived difference? Uh, and we're just going to talk about like our individual nerdiness and geekdom and nerdom for them. Because I think we have varying levels of those. I think we probably have like moderate tabletop guy, board gamer over here, a little bit more, and then like extreme down below. So we have uh we're just going to kind of discuss it a little bit and this is going to be a topic that's really hard to satisfy everyone mm -hmm. because there are so many and just like with any form of nerdom there's going to be somebody that likes that one obscure game from czechoslovakia that nobody's ever heard of and like oh well, you're not cool if you don't play you know checks and ladders checks and ladders. <laughs> i thought yeah. it was I thought it was going to be checks and balances where there's like scales and there's like some turnips over here. <laughs> That's all you're doing. It's just balancing It's like stuff. balancing turnips and potatoes is what it Aww. is. So, yeah. I like you know, that you're, game. You're actually getting really close to an actual board game. So. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I think there would probably be something for everything. There is like, that's the great thing about the hobby is like everyone, like everyone knows what a board game is. Everyone probably has played a board game as a child, but like it's grown to like such a point that like, there really is a niche for like everyone now. Mm -hmm. So Matt, why don't you, we, we, we already went over how you and I know each other. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Like, what do you do? What are your hobbies? You know, besides being a full-time dad, yeah. um, which that keeps you busy times three. Um, you know, what do you do? What do you like? Who is okay, well, like, like I'm an English teacher. Um, so like big part of my life is just connecting the kids. And like, I love connecting the kids, getting them to read, helping them just like through English and stuff like that. Uh, so honestly, I would say that that's like the biggest part of me is like, like education, honestly. Um, other than that, though, I'm just like the stereotypical nerd. Like I'm, I'm in anything you guys have talked on about on this show i've i've been a part of like i remember you guys did like an adult cartoon and anime episode and i was just sitting there listening to it like yes everything they're saying <laughs> absolutely um so like anime video games i'm huge into reading i just like read the second book in a great fantasy series just all kinds of stuff but my biggest thing is probably board games um it's it's just been like a big I'm gonna I'm gonna say passion of mine ever since I like got into my first like role playing group and we played role playing games together and like that led into like just tabletop 
as a whole because before that i had like like very little interest in it i was just like you know video games are the top form of entertainment but now i'm like no like board games are just the best there's just something about them that are like so much more fun and satisfying than anything else so um, the, like the social aspect of being actually in person together with other friends and people of mutual interest around a table um usually with beers or alcoholic beverages or snacks or just whatever and you, it's like the Not game's the fun children <laughs> no i mean like they have their I mean, own cups kids don't, they get their own beer whatever i'm not asking they, they need I mean, to like, buy their own if they get a drink of daddy's apple juice it's fine they go to sleep earlier <laughs> egtn does not condone child drinking no not at all no but i think it's a great strategy to get to sleep. it is a great strategy <laughs> Old Bandrill in the coke. And we're good. So just so everyone knows, the reason we wanted to do this is, A, I knew Matt had this huge game collection. We're going to go over this a little bit later, too, because he actually had to do. It was probably one of the saddest Facebook posts, not like pathetic sad, but like it genuinely made me sad not too long ago. I think it was a couple months ago saying I have to get rid of some board games to make some room. Yeah, And I could hear the tears in that post. Like, it's like when I had to get rid of some of my comics to make room of, because we were just frankly running out of room. Like, I could hear the crying in that post. Um, it, was, it was brutal. It, <laughs> so These when, are my hundreds of cardboard children. <laughs> and you feed them all. I do. You're so brave. The cardboard babies. Cardboard babies. Um. Be free! So it got, <laughs> you freak! Go! Um, it got me thinking. I'm like, this would be this is a this is a great little section of nerddom that we've never even thought about talking about. So I wanted to bring this to light because it is it's growing. I think it's growing in popularity over the past ten years. I'd say. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, past five years for sure. Just shooting through the roof. Um, like the, right. I think the pandemic helped a lot too. I think yeah. it's a by, and that and a byproduct of the popularity of D and D going up, because yeah. D, I think D and D is a gateway <laughs> game. Oddly enough, like yeah. you would you would think that D and D would be like the end all for a lot of things. Like oh, I've played some board games. I want to play something different. But I think it's flipped to where D and D has become so pop culturally popular that yeah. it's. It's now that's the game. It's like, oh, D and want to play, and they start playing. And like, oh, there's these other things that I can play in shorter sessions with less people, or with my, you know, that that that's introduced to all these other games. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And you uh, combine you combine that with like all the nerdy things that we like, which is mm -hmm. collecting, obscurity, um, very niche genres and things. Like you can find it in this, and like the collecting of physical things, cardboard yeah. babies. So I think that I think Kyle hit it on the head there with the D and D. I didn't even think about that, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think D and D's become more book. <laughs> for once. Or somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Good thing he can't find it. Now he can't hold it over my head. Um, I think shows like The Big Bang Theory have helped. Mm -hmm. um nerddom growing popularity shown it's okay to be a nerd marvel movies dc animated arrowverse mm -hmm. um, Valley. Then, 
um, critical critical role. Yep. Um, role, like, Harmon's Quest. Harmon's Quest, like all those. I think that's really made it more popular because if you all are watching, oh, that's another new thing I forgot to mention too to y'all. Spotify has a new feature. You can now watch the video on YouTube or Spotify. You can still listen to it on Spotify, but there is video associated now. So you can watch this on Spotify. So you if can see all risk. three of our faces if you're interested. Um, you so if you're- you <laughs> So here, oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. if you watch, if you're looking at the video, I have Candyland in the background right now. Um, get, board games have evolved well beyond Candyland now. Like you know, this is the preschool toddler game, the good you know uh, gateway game, I guess you could say to board games, like when you're young. But now you've got all these advanced board games that Matt's going to tell us about too, which I think is just really cool. I'm looking at your candy land background that you have mm-hmm. and it'd be over. I'm going to guess that's probably your right shoulder with the kid's glasses. And it has, mm-hmm. it says preschool, but obviously this is the U version of the game because it has age E dad. And I would say that you are definitely an E dad. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think that's appropriate. Or is it a dad? No, you're, you're an E dad. It's like, it's like a sadder version of an E girl. Yeah. And is. <laughs> A much sadder version. Much sadder version. <laughs> that wasn't the one you were looking for, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm telling you. There you go. You need to label those things. I've been telling you for months. I do need to label these, but it's funnier when I don't. Um, so, actually, while we're on Candyland, um, it's either Candyland or Shoots and Ladders was actually created by, like, a nurse in a hospital to help like kids with polio who couldn't walk very well it helped them like create a sense of movement really yeah like i can't remember which one it is or what the specific like disease was but she someone created that game to help kids like feel like they they were actually moving and it just kind of like exploded in popularity from there okay that's awesome so there was like a psychological and medical reason for the game then it wasn't just to pass time yeah i'm I'm gonna look it up really quick because i i don't want to sound dumb on the very first no no you aren't you aren't um kyle and i do a good enough job of that yep sound sound Um, dumb every week yeah here check this out and this kind of goes with our women and board games thing in the early 40s uh when the dreaded disease polio struck thousands of americans eleanor abbott a victim of disease sought to invent pastimes for children that were recuperating so she made this and like she wanted to create like a sense of movement that they were still able to move and stuff like that. I, I always thought that was just really cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. Like, and you did it for kids, you know, right. which is just the awesome, awesome thing. And the kids who are stricken with this terrible, terrible disease. Um, so, I didn't know that. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, like that's. I'm really glad that that's your background because I've always loved that backstory behind it. And like, it's persisted for so long. My kids play Candyland. So. Oh, that's awesome. My kid tries to uh, feed the pieces to our dogs. So I'm going to wait like another six months and try it again. I think that's fair. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle, what is a, now that we've kind of gone on to some of this, Kyle, what's the yeah. definition of a board game? What is what? a board game? Look at a board game. You think board game or tabletop games? They're typically going to involve pieces, right? Figures, things like mm-hmm. that. They're they're going to be moved, uh, placed, manipulated on a on a board that's pre-marked, 
Uh, that's your playing surface, and the board is often going to include elements. You're going to have tables, cards, role-playing elements, um, even like <coughs> miniature games or mini games within the games um, on there. Uh, most are going to feature. Or there's going to be some form of competition between, at minimum, two players. There are some single-player type board games, role-playing things that you can do out there, but mostly predominantly known as a competition. Uh, played as a competition with at least two play two players. Um, some of your, you know, basic examples that you think of are going to be like checkers, uh, chess. There's um, cooperative games like Pandemic. Um, but if you think of like even, you know, the little, the peg solitaire with like the golf tees and the triangle that you play at Cracker Barrel on the side, you know, would be a single player, you know, tabletop board game. Um a lot of these, you know, revolve around real-life situations. Some of them are fantasy situations. Um, you know, Checkers kind of has a specific theme and narrative. There's Clue that has a specific theme and narrative where you're playing out things. Uh, but the, the the games themselves have been around for a very, very long time. Um, I think kind of looking at the notes here, like Backgammon originated 5,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. So there's like a long history there. Um, you know, you look at, there's going to be rule sets that you have to abide by. And usually there's going to be one person that knows the rules way better than everybody else. And they're going to hover that over you in some shape or form. But that's kind of your, your basis of, you know, what a board game is. You take, you take all those elements and you expand on it. And you've got this wide breadth of things that we're going to be talking about today, uh, different genres, what we like, what we don't like, guilty pleasures of board games, and they all kind of stem from this. Right. And there are board games that have been, they found board games like that are over 5,000 years old, that they have proof that were played. They found historical objects of them. They have... Um, there was one called the Royal Game of Ur was found in the Royal term Tombs of Ur um, dating to Mesopotamia 4,600 years ago. Um, the earliest known games list is the Buddha games list. There's, it's just, it's nuts. I invite, we're not going to bore you with the ancient board games. I just put a whole bunch of notes on here if there's any we wanted to bring up, but board games date back to as far back as they have found in note-taking um, in history. So it's just, gamers have existed for multiple millennia. <laughs> but they just finally came out of their dark dungeons mm -hmm. within the past 20 years. <laughs> People have been bored for thousands of years is what we're <laughs> no. getting to here. Wah, wah. You know, like, so, sorry, while we're on the topic, um, I know, like, if you guys ever want to, like, hear a really cool virtual essay about it, if you if you guys know who Shut Up and Sit Down are, the, mm -hmm. the YouTube channel, um, they've got a really interesting, like, video essay on the history of board games. And one of them they talked about was, like, in ancient Egypt, they have this, like, little, like, board and, like, these pegs that you'd move around that look very similar to the thing whenever you go to eat at Cracker Barrel. Mm -hmm. And they have, like, those pegs that you jump over and you try to yeah. get down to one. It looks very similar to that, so... Yeah, it's nuts how long they've been around. Because, like, whenever I was a kid, I thought Monopoly was the very first board game. 
And then, boy, were you wrong. They had the boy, thing was I wrong. in Egypt. <laughs> would it? Would they have had it at? What were the? What were their equivalent of that? It would have been like the jackal barrel. Yeah, Jacker, or, uh, Jacker yeah, barrel. Yeah, Anubis's barrel. Like Anubis's like, barrel. <laughs> they just called it new barrel. New barrel, right? Um, where they literally drink actual Mountain Dew and play their games. <laughs> Ooh, that, that's dew from the mountains. Just it's, to explain, it is straight off the rocks. And they right actually, did, they did have a gnomish rogue who skipped in to deliver the Mountain Dew to you as well. Little known fact. fact: a gnomish rogue is the best statement I've heard today. <laughs> Better than a roguish gnome. Well, yeah, no, because we don't mess with them. Mm. We don't talk about gnomish. No, no, no. No, no, no. I knew Kyle would get that one. (laughs) Um, So the Romans had a lot of, um, there was actually a lot of history on board games from them as well, which, you know, the Romans can be credited with a lot of modern um, inventions like the aqueducts, stuff like that. Modern plumbing. Modern plumbing. Um, fighting animals to the death. Mm-hmm, for that. Mm-hmm, times. Walking Phoenix. Walking Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely walking. Uh, um, Polanski guy. The Polanski. The Polanski guy. But they also have a lot of um, history of board games as well. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not to bore you all with the ancient history of board games but go look it up it's yeah. it's actually kind of fascinating if you like history stuff if you want to be bored about the romans uh, tune into our next episode when we talk about how they really helped contribute to fonts um <laughs> it's really and, interesting and new fonts new fonts yeah yeah it's a good time well uh again, back to the egyptians you've got the papyrus font i mean mm-hmm. that's true. right there there's yeah, a connection was, they had their time with the nubis's barrel now we're going Anubis barrel. And we're, this is why we have a show flow. <laughs> uh, okay, Matt. So approximately, okay, let, this is kind of a loaded question because I know you just got rid of some too. Are you about let's, to ask let's two-part me? this. Yeah. Okay. How many board games approximately do you think you own? And how many did you have before the great purge of 21? Okay, so this is the part where I'm a little terrified that my wife will listen to this episode. She won't. We'll um, bleep it out. I So I have a Board Game Geek account, because naturally, and I've got all my board games listed on there, and my last count sits at 134. <laughs> Impressed. And where do you... Was this before the purge? Uh, that is after the purge. Post-purge. Before the purge estimated how many did you have oh god uh 160 170 i mean you work with whitney she's probably heard you got heard you've probably heard her complain or joke about that collection so oh oh yeah she's complained a couple times i mean not complained she's she's mentioned now granted she she does have her own board game shelf now because she's gotten to the hobby with me aha and her number will astound you are you ready for this? Yep, yep. Eight. That's actually really impressive. I With as much as she has com- not complained, said about your collection to me before. <laughs> as I vocal as she's been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she can't say anything now because she has eight. Right, and I bring that up constantly. 
what you See? do. You start Jesus. shuffling some from your shelf, like one every couple of weeks, and put it onto her <laughs> shelf. Like, and hope she doesn't do it notice slowly, so she doesn't notice. Like, find some little boxes and then like hide them behind the other boxes. And I'm like, oh well, you've got seventeen now. Yeah, well, where are these goes, coming from? Just Matt, what? Why is Zombie Strippers from Hell the board game on my shelf? And you can hear Matt go, "That's not mine. That's yours. It's on your shelf." And look at the sticky note. It says, "Not Matt's." So no, I would, I would claim zombie strippers from hell. I got that on Kickstarter. <laughs> early backer. He is yeah. early. He, made a separate account just to do something. He got the and limited honestly, edition stilettos with it. Just just to make myself sound sadder, because I'm gonna do that a lot this podcast, I think. Um sometimes I will take Whitney's boards and put them on my shelf and try to claim them because she's got some ones that I actually really, really like. So like when you're posting yeah. the pictures of him, like, oh, let's still have them over here. Stage him. <laughs> no, you know, you're, you're joking. But like, there's this whole thing where I'm like, oh, the, the aesthetics are just so wrong. Like, like this Euro game does not go next to this game. Like, we, we have to fix this. The color scheme is just totally wrong. What we could do is we could just take a picture of it and then we'll just print it and you can just tape it on the shelf. The picture. <laughs> and then she goes to get it and she goes, wait a minute. Ooh. So um, I'm glad you mentioned pictures because I can, I've, uh, I was going to be sad. I have pictures of my collection that I took for this that mm-hmm. I can hold up to the screen and show you guys. Oh, yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. I mean, here's one. If you can see. You have to uh, take off the background. Oh, God. I got to take off my cool background. It's no. a cool background, though. It is a cool background. That's, but actually because... my, that's actually my favorite board game, Mansions of Madness. Okay. So here's one of my shelves. Oh, geez. Filled. And so what you're saying is that it doesn't take a it doesn't oh. take a little bit of space. No. It um me and Whitney have this giant walk-in closet. Oh man, you just flip through everything there. I saw but some like, ribs though. I did now too. Those look delicious. That was a Whitney made me ribs because I've been a good boy and you didn't uh, buy any board games was for that, a week. Was that post purge ribs? <laughs> like, oh yeah, good job. Here's some ribs. No, that was actually uh <laughs> that was to lessen the blow. Like there's there's a few up there, but like yeah, oh, like wow. I'm talking like freaking shelves full. And uh yeah, it's there's Whitney's shelf. It's the lower one. You can see all eight of her games. Hey, Aww. hey, uh she's got a shelf. She, she got can't a shelf. complain That's anymore. How it starts. Yep. She, she can't how, complain. I'd, I would love for that to start with her. I'd love it. Have you played everything in that collection? No, no. Oh, that was the loaded question. I shouldn't have done that. She's going to hear no, that too no. now. Yep. Son of a bitch. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> I let you down. He did. No, it's fine. She, she knows. Like she's. Some of them are still in shrink. Like that's how oh. bad it is. Well, well, those are the imagine... collector's ones. You can't bring them out. Of... Yeah. Well, and I can't. I can't imagine you have all the free time in the world with three that are the exact same age. It's kind well, of play as you can. Right. I mean, like I've got like we have game nights like. Every month, every other month or so, and invite a few guys over and we play them. But like, there's no way that we've gone through everything in that collection. It's it's nuts. So how how long? Okay, how long would you think it would take you if you played one game, and you know, however long it takes for one game, depending on just based what you know on them? Because I know some games can they can take like eight hours. Some yeah. can go as quick as 30 minutes. 
days. If you have played every one of the games that you owned, just an estimate, how long would you think that would be? If you Man, played them would, back uh, to back. Like we're talking like every day we play a game. Mm-hmm. And let's say, those... you, let's say you had to like end because like you were in the middle of one and you're already on eight hours. So let's just say like time to learn those games because mm-hmm. like there's some of those are pretty in depth. Like I would give it at least a year. Really? Like, maybe like a couple, a few days to learn it. You got to get people together to play them. Not all of them have solo modes or I could beg my wife to play them with me. Um, yeah, I, I would seriously say a year. And I've actually, uh, I haven't bought a new game in months mainly because like we're we've been kind of like tight on cash and i didn't mm-hmm. like i'm like you know there's no way there's no way i'm gonna get through all these games so why am i spending money on it whenever i have this gigantic collection already um i feel like when i'm trying to steam library like oh, mm-hmm. i got all these that i whenever we had the kids i got rid of my steam account because i was like i'm not gonna have time for this anymore you know i'm a, mostly a console gamer anyway but no a steam account like you know, the Steam sale comes on, you buy all that stuff, and you just like, oh, I have this now. Yep. That's it's very similar to like what my board game collection is. Is I'll I'll hop on like Miniature Market or something and be like, oh, hey, Zombicide Second Edition's on sale. I don't have that. And just like click and like, well, there went seventy dollars. Well, you know, that was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, uh, I've got just some of them. I just collect them. So I like having them. So, yeah, Tip- typical nerd. You got to have it. You got to have it. I I completely understand that. I think Kyle gets it too. Mm -hmm. I was was getting that way with my Funkos for a while. And also, you know, I brought the Steam because uh, my first like two or three years back into PC gaming, every Steam sale, like it's only $2. It's only $3. And now I've got a backlog of stuff that I haven't played. And I don't know if I'll ever play. And I'm stuck with them because they're digital. Can't get rid of them. Chris is coming on about a year and a half of PC gaming. I give him about another year, then he'll be like, oh, you'll, res- you'll, re- you'll eventually learn to resist the urges of the Steam sale, maybe. Will I? I don't think so. No. 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 That's just going to be a part of your life. It's, yeah. It, it took me a while to to break off of it. You know, while we're just kind of on that, like, one of the nice things about board games, though, and I'm really going to harp on the nice thing about board games a lot on here, but... So I switched over to a digital console. I actually got a PS5 digital version, right? Mm-hmm. Before I had that, like, I was all about, like, owning discs, like, physical versions and stuff like that. But I really do think that everything is going digital now. I just kind of feel like that's the future of everything. And that's kind of what's nice about board games is it gives you, like, a physical product, something that, like, you can hold and play with and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's another just allure of it is it's basically like a giant toy in a box. And it's it's... It's I can see that physical thing that holds value too, because just like you know, we're gonna keep going back to the great purge of Matt's closet. Like great purge of if 21. they were all digital, you couldn't have got rid of them. Like if you say, "Hey, I need, yeah, I, I, I'm not using this anymore. I want somebody else to enjoy it." You one, you can't just give it to somebody to enjoy, or two, mm-hmm. you're like, "Hey, I've got some stuff that you can't find anymore. It's just worth some money. We're going to the eBay. You can't do that with a digital copy of." anything so the the there's some there's some extra value i think in the physical copies of things um you know i, I miss having physical copies of games everything almost everything i have is digital i've got some discs here and there but um, and i got some movies here and there but they're you know i won't probably won't ever get rid of them 
but it's still nice to have, you know, a physical copy of something because then you can sell it if you ever want to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's one thing about some board games, they go out of print. And when they go mm-hmm. out of print, they like skyrocket in value. Mm-hmm. That was actually going to be another question of mine. So give me an example of one that you know of that skyrocketed. And so they actually do, is it, is it market market driven? I'm, I guess I'm asking if for the price, like if it goes out of print and it's just like super popular or. Yeah. Like it's gotta, some of it's gotta be the popularity. Like it's gotta be like a quality, good product that people want. And some of it is just like, like how hard it was to get. So like, I noticed that one of the questions in the flow was, what is your rarest game? So just to talk about that, for instance, I've got a game called Shadows Over Camelot that was like one of the first games I ever bought for the collection just because I thought it looked cool. I watched um, an episode of Geek and Sundry where Will Wheaton played it with the guys from Penny Arcade. And that game now you can like, if you've got the expansion for it, it goes for over $200. I mean, seriously. Yeah, so, like, Whitney always jokes, like, hey, we're behind on this bill. I think it's time for Shadows Over Camelot to go on eBay. And I'm like, no, no, that's my firstborn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking it up right now. I'm kind of curious. (gasps) No, I think that that is... (laughs) That's the quote for the... (laughs) No, that's my firstborn. Well, it was it was one of the now. first games I bought, and I didn't know anything when I bought it. I didn't know that it was like a big deal or whatever. Right, I just right. I was like, man, that box is cool. Look at those knights and stuff, King Arthur. Hell yeah, that's what I want. And now, if you're like one of the lucky souls to have the super rare expansion that came out for it, that thing is worth some money. And there's a lot of games like Berlin's Company expansion. Would that be it? Did no, uh, Merlin's company. Oh wait, you said I thought you said Berlin. I was like, no, Mer- Berlin, like Merlin. Merlin, yeah, Merlin. Merlin. Oh yeah, yeah. If you three hundred bucks, holy shit. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. It's nuts. Um, sold items. You guys keep like, there's going. One, I'm just filtering. I'm going down a rabbit hole now. I've got like I've got <laughs> behind me this Mansions of Madness, right? Um, right. I, I own the the second edition is my favorite version, but they came out with the first edition where someone basically plays like a DM and like they play as the monsters and stuff. But if you've got the first edition and like the expansions for it, you're looking at like two or $300 there. Um, if you've got all the expansions for like the third edition of Arkham Horror, like that's, that's hundreds of dollars right there. Like it's nuts. Like, and some games like uh, there's a Battlestar Galactica game that is really rare and valuable. And it's mainly rare and valuable because, like, Fantasy Flight used to publish it, but they, like, they lost, like, the license to it. Some of these games, like, that publish games based off of movies and stuff, they lose the license. And then when they lose the license, they can't make any more copies of it. So that game, like, immediately gets popular and immediately gets valuable. And that's another example of a game that if you've got everything to it, you're sitting on a small fortune. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it sounds really so, similar to like trading card collecting. Like I used to yeah. like baseball cards when I was younger. Anything that you got that was out of print, that was a misprint, or that was off, or anything that was different or rare, um, it's, it's just supply and demand. You got scarcity and you got people that want it. And you're going to find that price somewhere in the middle. And usually nerds pay up for the rare stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Like 
Like what? What were those first Magic the Gathering cards? Like the the Alpha. eight. You know what I'm talking about? Like the like the Black Lotus card was one. Oh of yeah, them. Black Lotus for the Beta Black Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like just stuff like that. That just like the, the, it's ridiculous how much you can earn for it. And the, so, yeah, the mocks Black Lotus. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen how much space your collection has taken up. 180. What? How, when? How long ago did you start collecting? Okay, so like, you remember how you were talking about how D and D is like a part of like getting into this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. I started playing like it was before I met Whitney, and I was with this group of friends. And they were playing this um, Marvel superhero role playing game, which actually I remember you guys that. Know, yeah, it was it was great. Do you guys remember? Do you guys know who Margaret Weiss is, the author? Yes, yes. Um, uh, Dragonlance. Yeah, she. I think she had a big part in creating that night. But like, um, Weiss and Hickman. Um, her. Yeah. I, th- I think it was her husband, Hickman. Yep. I kind of. I want to look it up now to make sure that I'm not crazy. Um. But, like, so we would meet and we would play that, like, all the time. And, like, that was kind of my first days to tabletop is, like, before that, people had tried to get me to play Catan. And I'd, I'd played a lot of the, like, gateway games. Like, Chris, you mentioned one of your favorite games was Card- Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. Now, I am going to go ahead and tell you that, and this is, like, the elitist kind of maybe a little bit of gatekeeper in me that's, sure, like... Sure. Some people kind of like look at Cards Against Humanity and they turn their nose up at it because they're like, oh, there, there is simply no gameplay value in this. Yeah. Like, how how dare you enjoy a game that cusses about wieners and wizards' dicks and, you know, stuff like that. But, like, we we would meet, we play this game, and um, one day my DM was basically like, hey, you know, like, this Cards Against Humanity game looks really awesome. Um, why don't we try that? And he bought a copy, and we would just spend hours playing and laughing at that. And that was like my first. It's just a fun game. It is a fun game, and it, it, it's so easy to get that game to the table, and get people to realize like what how you play this game, why it's fun, and people just love it. They just have a great time playing it. So you um, bringing up Cards Against Humanity and Wizard Dicks has given me the idea for probably my next D and D character. And Wizards uh, Dicks. <laughs> whenever we get a new campaign going. <laughs> I believe I will have I'll have a wizard um named uh, Gandong. 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 Yeah. You know, make him a merchant wizard. And he goes around trying to sell wizards against <laughs> cards against wizard sticks. Cards against wizards it's, against it's humanity. Yeah, wizards against humanity. It's a game he's trying to bet. Along with oh, his, man, uh, I need to get into another campaign because I I just <laughs> I, I love having stuff that's just ridiculous <laughs> or whatever. Like when I had the dwarf ranger, that was fun. But like, yeah, I'm making uh, Gandong. I'm making. Where's my? Well, you know, you need to have Gandong. I'm gonna get that and Gandong. his stalwart companion, dildo tea baggins. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also going okay. Now I gotta bring bring back up my DD. And his Beyond special account. talent is he's got one of those old like the Gandalf old pipes, and he can just blow whatever objects you want with the smoke. <laughs> he has it. When you say blow, to, to no, not like anything. that. No, he, <laughs> <laughs> he can it's make like, anything out of that smoke, any image. But all he does is make smoke dicks. It's smoke, yeah. <laughs> he, 
you see what you will in the smoke, my friend. Gandalf, um, it's the 30th time you've blown a smoke dick <laughs> over the our, party. There's our dick joke. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I, I'm seriously got my D&D Beyond account up right now. and starting <laughs> to, to get, Matt, get the sheet ready. Conservatively. Um, Whitney, close your ears, please. How well, much money do you think you've sunk into this in your lifetime? Oh my god! Okay, um, it's easily thousands. Like, I was trying to think. I was trying to think about that question earlier, about because some of these games, like you know, you can go to Walmart and pick up a copy of Monopoly for fifteen dollars. You know, right, right. That's what most people think whenever they think about board game prices. But some of these games go for like a hundred dollars. I would say like the the more like median price is fifty to seventy is about the average cost for some of these. But a lot of mine, I've got like they're they're the bigger ones. I, I like having the bigger board games. Like I've got a copy of Gloomhaven. I paid 150 for that. I want to play that so bad. You have no idea. Oh man, I I'm but dying just, to play it. I just know the effort that would go into getting. I think from what I've been able to tell, the effort of getting a group and a session going on that makes getting a D and D campaign together look like getting a Candyland group together to play. Right, like I've heard it's just ridiculous and super long. Well, like you were talking earlier about like your Rebel Assault campaign, right? I mean, like, yeah, it's basically like keeping a role playing group together. Mm-hmm. Especially now that I'm freaking 34 and all my friends have kids and jobs, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I get that. Even is like it was 150, and I would seriously think that I've spent. Uh, around 1500 maybe i'm going conservatively on that one because it's probably more since you've had kids has it slowed down a lot a lot a lot yeah does it make Um, you sad or is it one of those where you're like you know i get it why i can't when they get older i can start again like do do you rationalize it or does it just make you just unusually sad honestly no um like with my kids, there's a lot of games I can't wait to play with them. Right. Um, like my son loves animals. He likes fantasy stuff. So I can't wait to play Mice and Mystics with him. We're like, we try our first like dungeon delving game together, you know? Right. But like, it doesn't make me sad at all. I'm just like, this, this is a new part of my life. I'm a father now. And they, they mean way more to me than like any of my board games do. Obviously, I joke about cardboard babies and my firstborn or whatever, but. I'm so freaking proud of my kids that I, I, I'd never go back. Sure, um, sure. I mean, the one thing that does make me kind of sad is like the time that I don't have to like commit to it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes with a lot of my friends as I'm like, hey, you guys want to get together this Saturday, play a board game? And they're like, no, you know, I got a kid's birthday to go to. I got work and all this kind of stuff. But no, I mean, I, get I still find time for it. And Whitney is like so supportive of it. You know, we joke about her complaining about the collection, but she knows I love it, and she helps me find time for it. She encourages me to find time for it. Hey, uh, a cool one to look at with the kids as they get a little bit older and depending on their age is uh, if you like the the tabletop role playing stuff. Hero Kids. Um, You'd mentioned that one. We brought up Hero Kids. I played that with my kids before. You can get it all online on PDF, and it's like very inexpensive. Print everything off as you need it. The kids tear shit up. Print it off again, and like character sheets and cards and all that like it's 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 very D light there's some good role-playing elements that have that to really get them into it 
and short sessions. So that's a no, cool that sounds one. awesome. Yeah, it's super cheap. Some of the stuff may even be free. I don't know, but yeah, I'm definitely looking at that as they get a little older. Like right now, though, my kids, like, I don't want to like push my hobbies on them, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I want them to like grow and find what they're interested in. But like, we do play a lot of games. We we played Candyland. We play Pop the Pig, um, some game about this bear. Do you guys remember that old game, Don't Wake Daddy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, that's where my anxiety stems from, is that game. But, um, <laughs> like, I'm Operation, of... but yeah. Oh, God. Albert. You guys remember that game, Perfection? <laughs> Perfection. I remember the name. I don't remember, remember it. It's so you had like all these squares and you set this timer and you try to put all the like, shapes into like the holes and when the timer went off the bottom like jumped up and knocked all your pieces out if you weren't in time oh there just triggered a memory i didn't know i had yes that's okay. what it was yep that one yeah. there was uh i remember i'm trying to think of the games i played as a kid there was one that involved there were penguins and don't break the ice don't break the ice yeah because there's like this tissue paper stuff that was like get wet and then like the uh, where you have it was like um on a little elevated piece and you had to mm-hmm. hit one yep yep, yep. yeah like, all these memories coming back too. but i think that's what's so cool is like everyone i would say most people have a foundation in board games from that from childhood from playing with your parents mm-hmm. and like when you Flipping get into a monopoly like board. super nerdy stuff like we are like you just want to get so much more invested and engaged with this stuff that you start looking for more advanced things and like part of me like i told you guys i was an english teacher i love stories so a lot of my games involve a narrative in some way and like the narratives you create with other players with the games you play that's just a big draw of it for me mm-hmm. those those moments where you cut up or there you always you a good session in my mind when you're playing something and what makes a good session a great session is when at the end of that session, you and your group have an inside joke that nobody else would, would get unless they played that session with you that lasts for, you know, months or years. And that joke Absolutely. just keeps going and going and going. That's when mm-hmm. you've known you've had a great one. Like, have you guys seen, you guys know, you guys know about Critical Role. Like we talked oh, about yeah. earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you all seen the, the, the Amazon show? Oh yeah, that, Vox, Vox Machina. Yeah, like whenever I watch that, I'm like, that that is what a game group is like. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. It's halftime, halfway through. Sorry, half of it's just jokes, dick jokes, stupid stuff, and the other half is serious. And mm-hmm. like, there's always just a great story that like comes from it. So, like, I watched that and I was like, that is exactly what my role playing group was. Well, and you could have like ten to fifteen percent in fighting as well. Yep, yeah, like yep. there's gonna be a little bit of that in there. But, like, but you can't cast that. It's dark. You don't have the <laughs> materials. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. Well, I got them earlier. Shut up, Gandong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blowing dicks in the corner. No, I no, rewind. No, that that's where you're like, that's where Gandong would say, I got your materials right here. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Is it hidden? Is it look safe? at him? Look <laughs> at him. <laughs> And then Gollum's looking okay. up his robe. My precious. <laughs> There's a beautiful joke there. Like whenever he hands Frodo the ring after putting it in the fire, he goes, touch it, Frodo. It's quite <laughs> cool. 
no, just doing it. <laughs> and Frodo goes, no. I don't want to. No. I need an I'm adult. <laughs> you, you can go to Mordor yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 quite, I'm quite fine in the Shire. Thank That's, you. I'm going to go anywhere. Is it, think... The thing is, Gandon definitely could not walk into Mordor. Gandon can barely walk with that thing. <laughs> yeah, he's more of a kind of like leaps and bounds. It's like a pogo stick. Yeah. I have to find a trailer. Like he a wouldn't wagon. have the walking stick for <laughs> no. the people to take uh -huh. away. He would. That he would be the upon my like staff. A yeah. <laughs> have you seen the staff of Gandong? I have. I have. Oh. It's impressive. Frodo's title of ring bearer he takes a whole new meaning. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> back to board games. Gandong is such a great creation that I want to be part of the role playing group that creates them. <laughs> I mean, I'm still I'm I'm trying to figure out if I need to roll for his stats or if I'm gonna. Oh no, they're predetermined. Oh, no, I'm handpicking this shit. Okay. I mean his his charisma would just be maxed. Max Charisma's... charisma and endurance. Charisma so, twenty, yes, definitely endurance. Plus the ring he wears gives it a yeah. plus ten. Why is your endurance so high as a wizard? You're gonna find out. You're gonna find <laughs> out, and your friends are gonna know. <laughs> you whenever shall he not takes, pass. Whenever he takes a rest, he's just got a kickstand. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just hanging out. You shall not pass until I allow it. That's already. <laughs> oh, too much fun with Gandong. Okay. I'm Matt, I'm create a character. What, hey, Matt Kyle's rolling right now. What is the draw to board games? Okay, like this is where I'm gonna wax poetic a little bit. Okay. So <laughs> For me, it's it's all about stories. Like I'm I'm so serious. The first time, the first we we talked a little bit about gateway games, and I kind of want to talk about gateway games a little bit later. My gateway game was Arkham Horror, and whenever I, whenever I picked that game up, like I'm always the kind of guy that whenever I was in my role playing group, you know the gnome bard from Vox Machina, mm -hmm. like that was 100% my character. Vulgar, funny. That's the kind of person I like to be whenever I'm playing those games. Um, so we started playing Arkham Horror, and I picked the hobo. I picked the homeless guy that kind of wanders from town to town. because I thought it was funny. And in that game, he basically became like a champion of the people. Like he slew so many monsters that they made him sheriff. Um, he was just like the go-to guy for any of the problems in the game just because I was playing so well. And that creates like a narrative. It creates a cool story that like you just play out in your head like every session. And that, that to me was like, at first, whenever I got into it, that was my biggest draw, is I was like, this is a new experience every single time we play it. It's a new story every single time we play it. And we're going to walk away from this with great stories to tell, like, after. Um, from there, though, it just became about, like, this is a much more engaging form of entertainment. I'm surrounded by people I love. We're playing this game together. We're all really into it. And you just, you just can't beat that, like get together with a group of friends, get some beers, get some food together, and just have a great time doing that. And it's it's such a much more engaging form of entertainment for me than a video game now. Like, I can sit down and I can still engage with a video game story, but it's nothing like creating your own. Mm -hmm. like, and the interaction you have with the buddies in real life versus over electronic. Right. Like, there were moments in our Marvel superhero campaign that, like, were really funny but also just really emotional 
And like, you get that with tabletop games and you create those narratives with your friends and it's just so like cool. I, I, I can't really describe it any other way, but like, it's, it's awesome. Like just the engagement and the fun that goes into it. I, I love it. So it's, it's the human aspect. Very much so. Yeah. As people, like... you know, we, we get together, we create those stories. Me and my mm -hmm. wife have played, because I got Whitney, whenever the pandemic started, me and Whitney were stuck in the house all the time. You know, I would be like, do you want to play a board game? Do you want to try one of those games with me? And I got her into this game called Takanoko, which is about a gardener that has to, like, watch over this panda eating his bamboo and ruining his garden. I've seen and, that. Yeah, okay. dude, that, that is one of my favorites. I love that game. And she was, she was like, you know, this is actually kind of cool. So then I got her the game that is like, like everyone calls it the gateway game. It's Ticket to Ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Whitney played Ticket to Ride and she just <clears throat> fell in love with it. Like the, her mind worked so well with that game. And again, there was that narrative aspect that we were like creating these like epic battles to control the railway systems of like America and Europe and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was awesome. And it was just a way for me and my wife to grow closer together. And uh, she doesn't like everything that we play. Um, she played one game with me a few times, and she said she liked it. And it turns out that she was lying, but she just knew I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> you can hear I mean, the Chris... bitterness in that guy. <laughs> lying. No, but Liar. like, because you know Whitney, and you know just like yeah. what a big heart she has. So uh -huh. she, she wasn't mm -hmm. about to like take she wasn't about to... from me. Yeah, she wasn't about to stomp on your dream. But like, she told me that, and I was like, Babe, I don't like this game either. I thought you liked it. What How is many happening? times did you guys play it? Like eight. We played it eight <laughs> times. <laughs> I was playing because you liked it. No, I thought you liked it. It's like a Seinfeld episode. It, it is. And like, it just turns out that we were both sitting at the table bored, but smiling at each other like, isn't that fun? Who's going to crack first? All right. That's awesome. But I would say that, like, God, just the human aspect of it is such a just great part of it. Um, we played a game a couple, a few, maybe about a month ago <laughs> called Oath. And Oath is this new, like, war game that came out. And, like, my gaming group just got so serious about it. And, like, there was a moment in the game where, like, like my friend was the ruling emperor, basically. And I went over and I stole like the oath of command from him or something and i had this quest that was like if i steal the oath and hold on for it to it for a turn then i win the game and like everyone just converged on me and we started fighting this massive war in like the province i was in and i screwed up and i forgot to bring my army with me so it was just my one dude holding this oath like haha now i'm the king and he got his face beat in hard because of a stupid decision i made but like that just creates like an awesome moment, you know? Oh, the, the epic failures sometimes are way better than the epic victories. Like, yeah, it, you seem to remember those better. Like, when somebody goes down, not just a loss, but it's just like this catastrophic, big, huge, massive, like, you went out in a glorious fashion and possibly broke the rest of the game for everybody else and you couldn't continue on playing because you killed the main character off and they fell off a horse. They, <laughs> oh, that cut guy were deep. That cut Chris really deep. He knows <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. I cut him so deep. 
That hurts. <laughs> That's a real story. That's a real story. I may have failed the check and fallen on the baby. That sounds like a great story if there's a baby involved. It was the uh, main was vampire in Ravenloft, the D&D settings, and so I effectively killed the entire campaign. And we had to stop playing it, so we started playing Shadowrun after that because we literally had no story left in the campaign because I killed the main vampire lord by gotcha. falling on him as a baby. That's awesome. I need to get at the table with you guys sometimes. That sounds great. <laughs> also, Shadowrun, you talk about a great, a great setting and a great game. I loved Shadowrun. Shadowrun was probably one of my favorites. Um... Continue, Kyle. Sorry. Well, that's fine. So we've kind of hit a little bit. I and mean, we talked about this earlier, like how the industry changed and you're seeing this evolution of games and things now. Um, and your favorite game. And let's um let's run through like a quick description of playthrough of like your if you had to pick one game, your favorite game. I think you said your uh those Arkham Horror games, I believe. Uh you said why, but like a quick playthrough of it. if you had to explain it, if you're doing like the elevator pitch of why why you would want to play through your favorite game okay so if it's okay i've got two that i've really been thinking oh, about sure. no it's not okay right. at all we gotta do one <laughs> no that's fine you're fired been 15 minutes on gandong <laughs> did eat up a little bit of time with gandong i'm still rolling yeah, for stats true. well to be fair it would take 15 minutes with gandong i mean i've seen the guy so 15 is <laughs> um, all you need 15 is all you need, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm going to walk you through Mansions of Madness because it is, it's, it's, my, it was probably my favorite one. So, Mansions of Madness is very much like a DD like kind of game. You, uh, you get these tiles that like have a map on them and you set up like an area that you're in. Now, the really cool thing about Mansions is part of the reason why I talk about it is it's app run, it's, it's a co op game. And what you do is you load this app and the app on your iPad or your phone controls the monsters. It like tells you place this monster here, um, place this clue here, this item here. So you don't really need a DM. It's like fully cooperative. So you get everything set up. And basically what you have to do is you roam around this like board, finding clues to try to figure out what's going on in the scenario. So like the last one I played, um, we were all travelers who stopped in this town and we're staying at this hotel. And we already, we noticed that things around the town are like really creepy. Like people kept staring at us. Um, people wouldn't leave us alone. People didn't want us there. And the campaign starts, let's say campaign, the scenario starts with someone pounding on our hotel door and we open it and it's um, one of like servants of Dagon and he's like a half fish man. So it literally starts with a guy breaking into your hotel room and us fighting him off, and we escape and try to figure out what's going on with this town. And it turns out that the servants of Dagon are, like, taking over the town, like, and they start, like, running a riot in town to find you and kill you or, like, convert you over to, like, a half-fish man, that kind of thing. So, like, we're picking up clues, trying to figure out what's going on, and we find that the only way to get out of town is this boat that's offshore and we have to find a radio station in one of the buildings in the town activate it call him and we call him and he's like i'm not coming out there unless there's a signal like i don't want to get lost amongst all the craziness so we have to find a way to light this lantern at the end of the dock and none of us has like like an item that starts a fire and where we we did not finish that campaign we died awful like 
eventually what happened was the gang figured out that we were going for the dock so they set the dock on fire and then we tried <laughs> to put the dire the the fire dock out and they killed us um that should have counted Kyle... as a signal though you're like we're gonna <laughs> light a lantern we'll one up you will... light up the whole damn dock Ta-da! <laughs> take that to be fair though if i were the boatman and i saw the damn dock on fire i'd be like no no mm. they're they're good i'm out of yeah, here we're sailing on but like you know kyle you're talking about the failures are almost like more memorable than the successes and like i'll just always remember that session like of, of trying so hard to get out of there and we failed at the last minute but it made for such a cool experience because everyone in the group was immediately like i want to do that again like i want to play that again that was fun still hung up on the half fish people so is it was it like a merge of fish or was it like the top half were fish and the bottom half like mer people were they so it's basically like merman kind of had like like mer peeps so manches and madness is all based off of hp lovecraft's work oh okay 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 so um it's like cthulhu like uh cthulhu-ish Right. So, like, the servants of Dagon, like, they had kind of, like, scaly-looking skin, sharp teeth, stuff like that, and they were trying to, like, summon their god or wake him up or something back in this world. Okay. 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 You got Kyle interested now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I just need friends to play with. Good luck. Oh, Hold on. I w- Wait a tick. Wait a tick. It's been out for a bit. There's a free version on Steam. Uh-huh. Yeah, like what? I think I've actually got the app, like the picture for the app behind me, and like, yeah, like so, you okay. should definitely give it a shot. That was something else. So, so you were talking about the app, and the app basically acts as the as the DMGM for this game. So is it like you have a set set of board pieces, tiles, and everything that can be reused based yeah. on so the app will create a new scenario new match new session whatever and you can just reuse what you have or right and what's really cool about it is it's never the same like sometimes the app will tell you to set up the pieces in a different order so it's a different map or sometimes it'll throw different monsters at you mm-hmm. so like the gameplay is so varied that like you never really know what you're going to walk into okay so it completely changes every single time like right. it just so is it like a chaotic thing or is it just like a um, just pure randomness? Like, um, I mean, like there's always going to be some structure to it because mm-hmm. like you've got to be able to succeed. But like it is like more just like randomness to it, I guess. OK. And like okay. what's cool is like the more expansions you buy for the game, the more tiles it has to like pull in and randomize. So you could get like a different setting or a different room the next time you play it's just really cool cool that's a really that's a the replayability of that is high high because of the random right. random replayability which is awesome which is exactly what you want yeah you're gonna throw down 70 80 bucks on a game you don't want right. to you, you don't want a one and done and that that's kind of where so i love this game but the company that makes it um fantasy flight they're kind of known for creating these big games like that, but you out of the box, you have like five scenarios that you can play. And that's the one thing I don't like about it is kind of like, okay, I paid $80. There are five different ways to play it. And even though they might be kind of like different, it's going to leave me wanting more. Mm-hmm. So now what's cool is the app, you can download like DLC and it creates new scenarios using those tiles for you, or you can get the expansion 
and they add scenarios to it. So I fell in love with Mansions of Madness. I bought like every single expansion it has. And I think I've got like around 20 scenarios I can play now, which I think is really cool. Oh, that's actually awesome. Looks like they did a, um, took the same concept. They've done a Lord of the Rings game too. Yeah, the uh, Journeys, Journeys Mil- from Middle-Earth. Yeah, like kind of, yep. it looks like it's the same concept. That's actually the same company makes it. That's another yeah. Fantasy Flight game. I was looking at the Fantasy Flight games they had. They did Lord of the Rings. Which makes Mansions sense why they would be a little similar then. Uh, yeah. Descent, Road to Legend, or if that's like the original Descent. No, that's a different. Wait, scene. they did Descent? Well, not that yeah. Descent. Well, they no, did no, no, Descent. I know. No, I had Descent. Yeah, there's a Descent I'm second the board edition game Descent? I've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, if you get the second edition now, it's the same. Everything's run by an app, so it'll tell you like how to set up your board. It'll run the monsters for you, so it's fully cooperative. Oh, Imperial Assault. They did Imperial Assault. That's the one. It wasn't yep. Rebel Alliance. It was Imperial Assault that we played that I was telling you about that I really, really, really liked. Like. Yes, and ta-da, there it is. Son of a bitch. It's all coming together. We made it full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Descent. Yeah, man. Fantasy Flight are kind of like one of the most well-known companies in board games. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, like whenever you play a board game, a lot of it's done by independent companies. But like you get a company like Fantasy Flight that's really well-known in the industry. And a lot of their stuff is pretty similar. Like if you've played Imperial Assault, you know how to play Mansions of Madness. Okay. If you've played Descent, you probably know how to play Imperial Assault. It's very similar systems. It's interchangeable. I want to play Imperial right. Assault again now. <laughs> and i have i've been wanting imperial assault for a long time but i own mansions of madness and descent and i'm like it's kind of the same game do i really need another copy of it and i just yes, kind of held yes. off yes you do no i mean it's that's what sale. i think we'll help you you do wait is it on sale yeah nine percent off on sale on amazon nine percent off only 99.73 what is imperial assault yeah imperial assault's really freaking fun Oh yeah, there's, it's great. It's it's a really really good time, and there's miniatures which we're going to talk ooh, about soon. I need a space because it just became Imperial Ass. <laughs> nope, that's a different it's, game. Are we going back to Gandong? Gandong. Mm-hmm. It says it's free. Well, that's the companion app. Uh, I'm looking at. I'm looking at Legends the, of the actual, actual. Apparently, I already own it. Huh. <laughs> you just grabbed every free thing you could find on Steam. Yeah, I did. Well, this might have been <laughs> this might have been part of the big Star Wars pack that they had last year for Star Wars Day. That Probably. was ninety percent off. Probably. So, what would you say? Okay, this is. Um, okay, we'll do this one first. Oh shoot! Um, I can I tell you guys about the other one. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Oh, yeah, we've got there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, have you guys ever read Redwall? I don't think I have. Okay. You get, okay, Redwall was some of my favorite books growing up as a kid. Uh, author's Brian Jacks. He created this world where, like, these basically woodland animals create, like, fight medieval wars and stuff. So I got this game called Root. Um, Root is about the Marquis de Cat, and that is a play off the word My Kitty Cat, which I love. Um, these That's cats invade the Woodland Alliance, and they set up this giant war between all these factions. You've got, like, the Marquis de Cat, the Airy, which are like the old dynasty of the woods that used to rule before the Marquis de Cat overthrew them, um, the woodland creatures that like want to uprise against them, and then you've got just this rogue faction, just this bandit character that goes around screwing everyone up. And 
I'm mentioning this one because it's my absolute favorite war game, and it's all about these cutesy woodland creatures. So a typical game of that is like, it's super hard to learn because every dip, every faction has its own rules. Like they do not play alike at all. You have to know everything about the game to teach it. And a typical game of that would look like the Marquis de Cat, they play as like your standard like, they almost play like a StarCraft game. You know, like you, you gather resources, you build buildings, you send soldier in and stuff like that. Um, the Airy, they're like the birds. So they're like a very formal dynasty kind of people. And they play, they have to follow like certain orders that are set down. And if you can't complete your orders, then your dynasty falls apart and your army takes a major hit. So they're very, 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 very very structured, very regimented. And then my favorite faction is the Woodland Alliance. And what they do is they garner sympathy. And what they'll do is like, like I could send them to a clearing with like a Marquis de Cat, an airy faction. And if I'm able to garner enough sympathy in that clearing, I can start an uprising and it immediately just like obliterates all like the other units in that field and creates me a small army in that field. And I, I think it's really cool. That actually sounds really fun. It's ridiculous. And the, the rogue character, they've just got one piece, but what they do is they've got to complete quests like their quest might be like find a sword and you can like go around to clearings and like do searches and find stuff. And they like have to find all these items and they become super powerful just by themselves. And they play like guerrilla tactics. Like they might run in, kill a couple of airy soldiers, run out. Um, they can aid in other factions too. Like you can aid characters in combat with them, but I love it because it's such a great asymmetrical war game where like, all the factions are so different that everyone's basically playing a different game. And that one, I just wanted to mention that one because it's one of my absolute favorites, but it connects to my childhood because I read all these Redwall books and they're so similar to how this game is set up. And yeah. Is the Marquis is, de Cat supposed to be like a play on the Marquis de Sade? I don't know. I just knew it was a play on the words, my kitty cat. And I just thought that was cute and clever. Which is awesome. Right. And then... Oh, the Redwall books. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Do you know but how hard it is to get a teenager to read those books? Well, they have graphic novels on it now. Yeah, but like awesome. anytime I walk up to like a kid wearing like a, a Nike hoodie or something, I'm like, hey man, do you want to read about this mouse that fights a war? And he goes, nah, fam, that's stupid. And he goes back to doing whatever he's doing. But it's a mouse that fights a war, and they send in to garner sympathy. Send in the mice with the sad eyes. There could be uprisings. There could be. You know, okay. like that, I'm actually pretty good. interested in that now. Like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it appeals to us because we grew up with that during yeah. when this. I, I don't know. I just find that a lot of the kids nowadays don't have the immediately if i mean it's like any teenagers any adults gonna complain about this anything that we think is cool they're automatically gonna reject it first mm. until they actually see it or feel it it's they they can't do concepts i mean that's what i was like as a kid i, I think yeah, I'm, I'm i think we're all like that we yeah so how yeah, do you it's generational i kind of want to go on that for a sec so how with that scenario matt with your passion for board games 
how would you draw a teenager into this? Okay, so. I know it's, actually, it's a loaded question. Like, I've always wanted to at the school. I've wanted to start a board game club for kids because mm-hmm. kids like get into it. They're, they're so imaginative. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a field that they could like really get into and have a lot of fun. And it bolsters like critical thinking skills, all this stuff. It like, just for me, like if I know that I've got a kid in my class, like I've got a kid in my sixth hour that loves Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And like, we talk about Magic the Gathering. We're both collecting like the newest like set of it, stuff like that. And for him, I could be like, you know, Magic the Gathering, this is such a great game. You should try this board game and see if you like it. And like, if they can get into the theme of it, and if it's something that interests them, there's like, that's that's where I think I would start with is the theme of it. Because in your notes, I saw that you like mentioned like some games are themeless, some games like have a theme to them. But there's a theme for everything. There is there are like fantasy football um, board games that you can play with them that kids would love. There are Star Wars games you could play. Tons of fantasy games. There's there's a game for anything, and I would probably start there. Just find something that like they're into, and be like, hey, you know, this game, it's about football. We should give this a shot. Or right. it's about like the like the Redwall characters. There's there's a Harry Potter game that my wife instantly fell in love with just because it was like harry potter right so i would start with the theme and work my way from there because if you can get them engaged in it and find something that they're interested in they'll probably enjoy it so you're saying that there's literally a game for everyone yeah definitely um one of my absolute best friends is like he's not a nerd at all he's the kind of guy that on the weekend he likes to work on his truck he goes golfing he does everything i don't do and I've got a game that I love and he would love. It's called Great Western Trail. And it's literally about how you herd cattle from Oklahoma to Kansas City. Oh, wow. And it's no, that might sound kind of simple. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the best games I think I've ever played. Really? And, oh, yeah, man. It's fantastic. I was actually, you mentioned Euro games in your notes. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it's one of the best Euro games ever it's so great so but like the theme appeals to him because he likes western stuff right and he would even though he's not into like the dungeons and dragons stuff like i am he would give that game a shot because he's like oh it's cowboys i'm all about that i'm looking at the board for it right now and the layout of that board looks very familiar to what's behind me in a way it's it's a very they're both called euro games scythe Mm -hmm. and great western trailer both because they're all about resource management and victory points. So mm-hmm. it, it's probably going to look very similar to a lot of the games you might like, like Scythe. Okay, I did not know that that was actually the name for that that style of game. I'm learning something new every day. Euro games, and that's the whole point of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Chris, you mentioned, uh, let me look at... Amazon Women A Go-Go? Yeah, I, you know, mm-hmm. I read that. Golden boots and title <laughs> with a golden boot. That's the expansion. Pack. It's way more genitalia than I thought there would be, but um, well, now no, you know what not. to expect. <laughs> you pay hey, an Chris, extra sixty nine ninety nine for the Gandong inspection. It <laughs> would be not inspection, expansion or inspection, whichever. Oh, you got number four twenty out of four twenty. <laughs> um, nice. Thank you. But you <laughs> But Chris, you talked about Catan. Catan's one of your favorite games, right? Yeah, I really loved Catan. I didn't think I would, 
and then I started playing it. Like I started playing it on the Xbox when it was free. Yeah. And then like, I'm like, okay, I, I don't really get this, but then I don't understand this game. I don't like it. And then we played it with my friend in real mm -hmm. life, the actual board game. And I just fell in love with it because I could actually pick up the pieces. I could feel the pieces like, and it was fun playing with someone. And that's what drew me into it more so than like the digital copy. Right. And that's something that's so great about, like I said, it's like a toy in a box. Mm -hmm. There's so much to that. But that Catan is also a Euro game. It's all about resource management and victory points. So Euro games are all about man resource management and victory points. And that's what's that the true definition of a Euro game. And also there's not much conflict in a Euro game. Like you're not gonna have a lot of fights. Now Scythe is a Euro conflict. game, but there is conflict. But like just from whenever I played Scythe, conflict isn't always a good thing in Scythe. Like it's it's sometimes it's even something to be avoided because you just want to collect resources and there's actually one faction in Scythe that does like encourage conflict because they get victory points for winning like skirmishes. But yeah, they have like some super mech things that yeah. But it kind of got me the first time I played Scythe because I was like, oh god, look at these robots. I can't wait to shoot each other. And then I'm like, oh, so the robots are really just for getting people across the river. Okay. Now I know. You know, Chris brought up Catan, and this is just from what I've heard in passing in social media and things like that, that it kind of has, Sellers of Catan has kind of developed this, like, I want to say it's like almost the hipster aura around, like, oh, everybody's playing Settlers of Catan, because that's the thing that you do during pandemic, because that, mm -hmm. that became, like, synonymous with the, I guess hipsters are the right word. It's like the... I'm trying to think of how to explain it the best way from what I've seen everybody talking about, like sitting around and, and being extra cool playing Catan. It's like, it's like the lumineers of board games is the, no, the like, image that he, no, I wouldn't. It's the luminaires of board games. That mm. is one of the greatest well, explanations. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like people that are like, Oh, you like monopoly. That's, that's not a real board game. It's, it's not kind a of like board game. those people. They're like, Mm -hmm. You should play Catan. It's much superior. Yeah. There's what I was looking for. That would you yes. say is that more of an elitist attitude? Yeah, and and you need to wear suspenders okay. while I might while be totally it. wrong on this, but I kind of feel like there's a strong gatekeeping community mm -hmm. in board games where there are like elitists that are like, Oh, you play Risk. Have you even heard of a Twilight Imperium or something like that? And I feel like sadly that with that kind of attitude, it's hard for a lot of people to break into board gaming, like on a hobbyist level, because of like the kind of attitude people have about like, like I mean, like we're sitting here with Science Mansions to Madness and Candyland as a background. And I, I know that there are some people in the hobby that would scoff at that and just be like, that's ridiculous. I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. I think that like, like even with Candyland, there's there's a great purpose to it, and like I said, the background of the game I think is really great and inspirational. But like, I do feel like elitist attitudes and gatekeeping are a bad part of this hobby. It's like any any realm of nerddom experiences gatekeeping mm -hmm. to some to some level to where fanboys fanboys and this superiority thing of well I found it first or I think it's better. It's like oh well you're not a real Star Wars fan. If uh, you haven't, you know, watched all of the Clone Wars yet, 
Chris. Thanks for making me feel like that. Gatekeeper. Well, because you're a shitty Star Wars fan. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's it's everywhere. You know, it's it's board games, it's video games, it's music, mm-hmm. it's comics, it's everything. And like, I think it's just human nature, though, too. To a, to a level. A, it's such a crappy part of human nature, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And Makes people not like, want to get into it. Well, and I hope I'm not off base in here, but I feel like it's a lot of women don't get into it. I feel like they don't feel welcome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I can, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like any of the nerddoms. It's, it's particularly been a male-dominated field mm-hmm. of the nerddom. And board games is definitely one of them. So if it's okay... Can we talk about women and board games for a second? Because that's yeah, a topic that. that yeah, let's so do that. If you look at like Board Game Geek and if you look at the top 100 games, I think 95 out of those 100 were created by a man. And like there are, there are some big male names in board games designers like you Rosenthal. He created like Agricola. Um, what else did he make? He made a lot of really big ones. But he's kind of a guy that's like seen as like, if it's got you Rosenthal's name on the box, people are going to buy it because they know that's a quality game. Right. You don't see a lot of women's names on the games. And the reason why I wanted to bring up women board games is because within the last three years, um, Elizabeth Hargrave um, created this game called Wingspan. And Wingspan has like exploded in popularity. It's ranked 23rd, I think, out of 100 on Board Game Geek. I might be wrong. I just looked that up a couple of days ago just to make sure. Still at 23rd. I'm actually looking at it right now. Nice. I've heard that name before. Wingspan or Elizabeth Hargrave? Elizabeth Hargrave. Okay, they made actually a video game out of that Wingspan game. That's why I know that too. And okay. Elizabeth, like, she, I can't really call her by her first. I don't know her, but like, Miss Hargrave, um, Call by her first name. She's not going to listen to this. Well, you know, either way. I just, I, <laughs> but I've got a lot of respect for her because she created one, a game that is to a lot of people would look at it and think that's a beautiful game. Like the art in it is so beautiful. But people would just look at that and be like, I want to play that. And it's such a tactical, it's called an engine builder. Like what you do is like you play these birds on different spots in your conservatory and every bird does like a special action and these special actions build off of each other so like turn one you've got like a bird that allows you to collect two resources you play a bird that like allows you that every time you collect a resource you get a victory point so you play that first bird then that second bird and you just start racking up the points that that's what engine builders are kind of like so she creates just like this amazing game and i've got a copy of it i'm dying to get the expansions for it it's just wonderful but i feel like it's definitely a male dominated field there are um there are a lot of like women and um like i'm going to say non-binary people that are like Mm -hmm. big in the industry that are getting big in the industry and i think that that's fantastic but it is a field that i really wish that it wasn't quite so male dominated and Mm -hmm. male favored um i mean like you read a rule book and it always says stuff like uh, he does this, he does that. It, it, it's not like the neutral pronoun they, it's all targeted towards men. Right. Um, would you say that's because it's predominantly been a male-dominated industry? And I would. Yeah, I definitely would. Um, I do feel like 
I do feel like you do see more women getting into the field. And that's what I really want is like, like my, my, my wife, for example, she, she always saw me playing these giant nerd, nerdy board games. And she was like, that just looks so ridiculous. And then like, I was like, hey, sit down and play it with me. Like, enjoy this with me. And she fell in love with it. Now she's got her own collection of a whopping eight games. Um, but there are games. Cool. Yeah, I, and I, I love some of her games. She's a, you know, Whitney's very much like, very much a hardcore feminist. She's all about like equal rights and stuff like that. And she owns games based off of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has her own board game, by the way, and it's fantastic. Really? Um, yeah, it's called I Descent. And it's a party game where, like, basically you you bring up a topic, like, does peanut butter go on a sandwich? Does peanut butter go on the sandwich before jelly? And you have two people that debate the topic, and then the rest of the players vote on it. Now, I just think it's really cool. But, um, That's cool. So, like, yeah, I just feel like it's sadly a very male-dominated industry that I think people need to like kind of wake up from Mm -hmm. that's you know you all have heard kyle and i are very passionate about women and gaming and this goes along with it because it's board games um because we both have daughters and we want to show them that it's okay to be a nerd it's cool to play video games it's cool to do board games it's okay find to like the things that you like Mm -hmm. i i want my daughters to know if you want to do it you can do it like there you will we will find a way but if something you're interested in you are more than welcome to do it and not be ashamed of it which is a great attitude and that's the thing all three of us are girl dads so i think that we're a lot more passionate about it than people who don't have daughters yeah um because we want you know we all want what's best for our kids and one of the things that we want is be yourself you know it's okay to be who you are be yourself absolutely do what you want to do you don't have to change who you are to do it and that's why again why kyle and i are so passionate about this kind of thing well even like you guys were talking about marvel movies and dungeons and dragons are becoming more mainstream do you guys remember like back when we were like i was a kid in the 90s and i hid a lot of that stuff from people you had to. I mean, you I get didn't, beat up. Right. I didn't want to get bullied, beat up, any of it. I just, but I knew that I liked weird stuff. And yep. liking She Hulk was not an option back then. Oh my God. Even though I love She Hulk, she's a lawyer who can beat the shit out of you. Exactly. She Hulk's green. Awesome. Like, even my favorite superhero is a woman. It's Ghost Spider or Spider Gwen, like she was, used to be called. Spider Gwen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've got. I've got posters of her in my classroom and I'll even have kids be like, why do you have a girl superhero hung up? And I'm like, cause she's awesome, dude. <laughs> do you want an F? Sit down. Yeah, sit down. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Back to your but, desk, Betty. <laughs> um, this, this one could be cool right here. I'm, I'm really curious to hear your take on this. You got continue the uh coffee sitting so i need to take a quick gotcha. body break i can hear you guys keep going so this is kind of going to fall sort of in the lines of like maybe guilty pleasure stuff okay i want to know we want to know your first your favorite and then your least favorite 
It's your favorite popular quote unquote mainstream board game. And when I'm thinking mainstream board games, like you talk about, like we can go down to Walmart and you can grab a, you know, something that anybody can get, or, you know, the games that just everybody, even people that don't play are aware of, you know, your monopolies, your candy lands, things like that. What's your favorite? Like that'd be like your guilty pleasure as a board game geek and then your least favorite and why. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to say my favorite, like if, if you're talking just like games, like I go to Walmart, I, I see like a $10 board game on the shelf that I love. It's sorry. Um, I love the <laughs> game. Sorry. And like the deal is it's mainly, I grew up playing sorry with my mom. Like I, I was raised by a single mom mm-hmm. and she would just try to get me into all this stuff. And she knew that I was a little nerd. So she would buy me all this kind of stuff that like was super nerdy. But my mom would always play Sorry with me, and I, I loved it. So Whitney's a big fan of Sorry, too. And from, like, my perspective, I can look at Sorry, and I can be like, wow, that is a that is a terribly designed board game. Like, you rely on a deck of cards. Like, you, there's very little player choice, blah, blah, blah. But there's just, it's just fun. It, it's just fun to, like, knock people off the board, get your people in, get a Sorry, and, like, knock someone out. It's, I love it. Um, other than that, Scrabble, I'm big into Scrabble, and it's probably because you know I'm, I am an English teacher, I'm a big reader, so I love I love playing Scrabble. But that's the thing is like with even with these board games, I wouldn't tell people like, oh, that's dumb, you shouldn't play that. You you should definitely look into playing Gloomhaven or something like that. Yeah, I'd be like, that's awesome. You know, Scrabble's a great game. Sorry is a fun game. You guys are having fun. That's really all that matters. Even though you would not tell them that is there one game that you're just like i don't like you and i'll have to probably say that you so we can be fair you've played it and you're just like i don't i don't want to play that ever again monopoly really i hate monopoly i hate it for different reasons i'll play it okay you gotta tell me your reasons i gotta hear this well, because my reason is it's not actually getting into the game and, like, once you're actually playing and stuff, once I get going, I'm fine. And, you know, if everybody else is having a good time, I'm going to have a good time. We're going to play. We're going to have under-the-table deals, and, you know, we get – you kind of get outside those rules, and you have good house rules that can make it fun. My thing is I was in banking for 10 years, and every time we would sit up to play, I always had to hear the joke, like, oh, we know who's going to be the banker. Like the fuck we are. I'm not, I'm not, I do this nine to five every day. I don't want to be a banker anymore. And right. then, then um, I think we played a version that had the electronic debit cards where there's no cash on the table. Yep. And I actually hated that version with a passion because, I mean, with cash, you could do some sketchy shit when you had like piles of cash in front of you and pay- people sitting around you and making some like side deals and stuff, the electronic version, that was just the man trying to bring us down in our monopoly games. And exactly. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's fucking I just, capitalism. I pick <laughs> capitalism. And like, I'll pass you a couple of uh, hundreds under the table here. You just don't, don't pay any attention. When I land on boardwalk for now. We'll, we'll work it out later. You know, but now, so I got to tell you the reason why I hate monopoly. Um, I got two main reasons. One, it takes forever. Mm-hmm. Like when you sit down to play a game of Monopoly, you don't know when it's going to end. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel because you can get stuck in a point where like, oh, I'm on set of money, and then you get really lucky and you get a lot of money by going through the board or something. 
Um, there's not really going to be a set point when that game ends. And that kind of drives me nuts. Uh, the other thing is, honestly, every time I would play that game with my friends, my family, someone would start a fight. Like, yeah, almost guaranteed that someone would get pissed off at someone else and there'd be an argument. And I just kind of got tired of that. I'm like, God, we were playing Milton Bradley's Monopoly. I bought this for $13 at Walmart. And you guys want to argue about the plastic houses? So Monopoly is the board game version of going on a 12-mile float down the river with your friends. Like, by the end of it, somebody's not going to be happy anymore. Mm -mm. Someone's going to be burned. Somebody's going to be burned. Somebody's going to be drunk. Somebody's going to fall off. Tables are going to get flipped over. Like, yeah. And like, uh, like, uh, but that that's basically both um, my least favorite, like store bought game, Monopoly. But that's just because like, and again, I can see the benefit in Monopoly. I played Monopoly a lot as a kid. I have like a deluxe version of Monopoly. I can see what it did for like four board games, and there's even some great history to Monopoly. Um, like whenever Monopoly was created, uh, I don't think it came with game pieces. I think it just came with like the money and the deeds and stuff like that. And that's why the thimble is like a piece of Monopoly because people had thimbles. People would use those as like board game pieces. And I was just thought that was really cool, like random trivia about the game. What would you say? We've talked about your collection a little bit. Uh, you may have hit on it earlier when you were talking about like your first game or whatever, because I think that's probably going to, it may not be it. The rarest game that you have in your collection, what would you think is like, like your, your piece you know it, it's definitely shadows over camelot okay like, and we talked about that earlier and i thought that may be it and maybe arkham horror third edition because there's a new edition out of it but that game is really only valuable if you own all the expansions for it okay so we uh we hit on that we talked about you talked about sorry probably being was that like the first game that you played yeah sorry was the first board game i ever played okay, so we this is going to be a good one right here for everybody that's listening that's made it this far. Um, somebody that's wanting to get into more advanced um, board games and advanced tabletop games without even giving a, you know, because there's so many genres and things like that, but just something that, that in your eyes that would check a lot of common boxes for people that are wanting to get into this, what would be a couple of recommendations for good starter games? Somebody that's, that's wanting to get into the hobby wanting to play, they don't know what they want, they don't know what they like, but a couple of games that will give them a, an idea of, okay, I'll after I play these two or three or four or whatever, then I'll have an idea of what I like, and that's a good gateway set of games to get somebody into the hobby, into the nerddom. So, like, for me, my gateway game was one of the more complicated ones. It was Arkham Horror. Mm -hmm. And, like, I bought that because... Not gonna lie, I wanted to look good at the GM. He was like, Man, I've always wanted to play this Arkham Horror game. So I was like, oh, I'll go buy it. I've got expendable <laughs> money. And I, that was the first time I went to like Wizards of Asylum, Wizards Asylum in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Picked that game up and I was like, This game is $80? Jesus Lord. <laughs> right. But I wanted to look cool at the GM, so I bought it. And that was just for me, it clicked with that one. But like, it was the theme. It was like, the, like, we're fighting against monsters from another dimension from H.P. Lovecraft's world. It was just so cool. But honestly, if um, 
if you want just my recommendation for like just games that I would consider great gateway games, um, a lot of people are going to laugh or like kind of judge me for this, but Cards Against Humanity is a great example. Um, anyone can sit down and within minutes know how to play Cards Against Humanity. It's fun. It's easy to play. It's vulgar. People are going to laugh. You're going to invite your uptight friends over and they're going to be like, my card says penis. And you're going to be like, that yeah, does. <laughs> um, but like, that's just such a great game to introduce people to. And they're, they're going to see something different than they've seen from other games. Um, I think the two best gateway games are Ticket to Ride and Settlers of Catan. And I, can see I, think, that. I think the reason being is because they're different. Like a lot of people sit down to play those and they're like, okay, where's the dice? And you're like, there are no dice to this. <laughs> it's completely different. And they start playing settlers and they're like, wow, you know, like I'm trading, I'm building roads and villages. There's an economy in this game. That's really cool. They start playing Ticket to Ride and they're like, wow, there's a lot of strategy in this. There's like a ton of different ways I can do this. I can screw this person over. I can complete my route. This is awesome. And I just think those two games are like, they're easy enough, but like you can sit down and teach them pretty quick. And they're not too daunting to where you can sit down and like, scare, you, it wouldn't scare people away from the table. They'd be like, this, this makes sense to me. And from that, they'd be like, wow. So these board games, they offer like just completely new experiences other than rolling dice and moving around a table. And I would say that Catan and um, Ticket to Ride are really good examples. It kind of got me, because I asked you guys to email me your favorite favorite board games. Now, Chris, mm-hmm. I'm, I am not trying to give you shit, okay? No, no, fine. do it. Uh, okay. I'll, Piss off, um, what got me was I looked at your list and I was reading Chris's list. I'm like, this is like a great gateway list to get people in. Like you mentioned Dominion. Mm-hmm. Dominion is a great example of a good card game to get people introduced to the top, to like the idea of card games. Cards Against Humanity was my first introduction to like something different. Catan, I, I played that. I remember like I, I rented a cabin um, that I was going to, take Whitney to on one of our early dates and we broke up and it was sad and but I still got the cabin so I was like great so I invited a couple buddies up there and they brought Catan and I still remember him opening the box and me being like well where's the dice dude huh this game is stupid and playing it and being like holy crap this is this is different this is awesome I love it um but even like I didn't get into it until a couple of years later whenever I started playing Arkham Horror but a lot of your games are like great gateway games that you mm-hmm. listed and you even listed like trivial pursuit monopoly like i hate i i don't like monopoly i'm not a big fan of it at all but i remember playing trivial pursuit with my stepdad whenever i was growing up all the time and like that game even though like now i'm not a huge fan it it holds a special place for me just because of all the memories that we've got with it and i get that it's it, you're not hurting my feelings at all dude it's like <clears throat> board games have never been huge with me to be honest with you. And if I'm playing gateway games, even better. If we can get people interested in it, even better. Oh, and you're not hurting my feelings at all. Be honest. Um, if you do hurt my feelings, Kyle will be pleased. Okay. He'll be bonus points. So really, I should be off show. You did threaten to delete my all my online presence. And 
there for like a year you're the most intimidating person in my life until i met you and i was like oh this guy's cool okay yeah 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 he's not scary at all there for a while you were gandong (laughs) swinging it around no um it's because i do think the world of his wife i really do She's an awesome person. Oh, my wife is a goddess. I love that woman to death. You um, better say that. <laughs> I am going to say that because now it's recorded. And if we get That's into a fight, a, I can bring up this podcast. We'll, I'll, we'll clip that I'll, little we'll, Yeah, we'll just out. only clip that part. It's, it's Perfect. Like if she ever starts doing it, you're like, you know what? Remember this? Bloop. And just play it. Just that little little sound bite. And it's like, oh, oh, Okay, man. I love but, um, one more, just because we're talking about great gateway games. Oh, There's cool, a cool. game called Sheriff of Nottingham that me and Whitney have used to introduce people to board games. What you do in Sheriff of Nottingham is you play as a thief trying to sneak contraband into into Nottingham. Now what you do is one person every round is the sheriff and what you do is you have these little felt bags and like you load your bags up with goods and you give them to the sheriff and you're like hey man I've got five cheese in this bag. Now you might have something like three cheese a crossbow and like some illegal drugs or something like that. And the sheriff can't open your bag, but he can be like, really? I think you've got a little bit something more in this bag. And you kind of barter and haggle with them back and forth to get them to not open your bag. You can bribe the sheriff and be like, no, dude, here's five pence if you just look the other way. And But if he opens your bag and if you've got contraband in there, you have to pay a fine to the sheriff. So it, it's like a really cool way to get people who aren't used to like a lot of player interactivity into mm-hmm. board games. Me and Whitney, we we played this with a couple one time, and the whole point of the game is lying. Like that, that's like one of the funnest things about it. Well, I've played deceit games. Uh, deceit games are some of my favorites. Anything where there's like a hidden traitor or a liar, it's so good. But this couple got so mad at each other for lying to each other that they had to get up and step into the kitchen and have an argument about lying to each other in a board game. And at the time, it was super awkward, but now I can be like, wow. That was hilarious. Yeah, I can relate. We played, uh, I'm sorry. Coup was one of the games that we played a lot um, on our little lunch break game sessions. And it was like, it was a deception deceit game. And it was very simple too. It was like a deck of cards and a few like token pieces, things. And that was it. And we had so much fun playing that. <laughs> Coup, Coup gets to my table probably every single time I have a game night. Because you can play that game in 15 minutes, and it's just a yeah, ton of fun. Yeah. That's what we picked up because it was quick sessions. We were looking for a quick session game, and that one, that that's a cool one to, to look into, Chris. Is that one? Uh-huh. Chris, While I we're doing these, I'm have... also looking at, like, Steam versions of these games because all my friends – I live in BFE, so all <laughs> <laughs> all my friends are online. Chris, we just need to invite you guys over sometime and have a game night because you got to see some of these, man, like – because I know you're – a big nerd like I am, I know you're into D and D and all that, and I think that a lot of these would like really fit that like right. need for a lot of this stuff. Resonate, mm-hmm. yeah. Talk about totally doing some would. some like one shot short D and D campaign stuff, mm-hmm. like even like on Twitch and stuff, like random one. Something that we can knock out in like in four hours, yeah. Like a, from start to finish, and you know, you, there's prep work to it, but still, like the actual session and streaming that would be really fun. Oh my god! I'm glad you mentioned that. So, do you guys remember earlier how we were joking about how long some board games talk? Take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a game that its campaign takes three years to complete. What? Is it yeah, Gloomhaven in white now? 
No, it's it's not Blue Maven actually. It's I think it's called the Campaign for North Africa. Well, just easy. I know how to end it before three years. I'm not Flip. going to North Africa. Flip the table. I'm starting a new life in Central Africa or South Africa. I can see how game that game over. would start. Like it would, the intro would be like, okay, we got to fly to North Africa, and then Chris would roll, and somehow the plane would crash over the <laughs> game Atlantic. Game over. Game like, over, man. Right, well, we're done now. So, so I am My looking man. at this game on Board Game Geek. The playing time says sixty thousand minutes. Ooh. So I, I just just as another fun little trivia, like if you start that game, it will take three years to get through it. Note to self, do not start that game. Yeah, do Three not years do not. What? Note to self, I'm good right, right now at this point in my life. Yeah, that, that, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. That's too much time. I mean, which, yeah, that's some commitment. Which one of that goes back to our first episode, the aging nerd. Mm -hmm. I just don't have time for these. Unfortunately, like as much as I want there to be. So we, that episode we, hit me where I lived, by the way. It, it hit, a, I think it hit a lot. That was a good one. This early on, we didn't know what we were doing. And we really like, didn't. We rambled, but it was fun. It was a really good one. Uh, we did talk about your favorite and least favorite mm -hmm. game. Do you have a favorite and least favorite genre of um, games? Yeah, I do. Um, my favorite. Well, I'm going to just say, like, my favorite mechanic is worker placement. It's where you, like, have these little meeples, mm -hmm. and there are actions around the board, and if you put a worker on that action, you get that resource or you do that action, right? Yeah. Um, I love that mechanic, and, like, that's used a lot in one of my other favorite games, Everdell, which, again, is about animals building a town. I really like the Redwall style of stuff. Um, but my least favorite, I'm not a big fan of party games, and I own a lot of party games because whenever you get a lot of people over who, like, really enjoy these games, um, they're easy to explain. They're easy to play. But, like, I'm not a huge fan of them because they're so easy and so light, if that makes sense. Yeah, and Cards, no, Against you, Cards Against Humanity is considered a party game. But still, I'll bust out Cards Against Humanity. We have a friend who loves Cards Against Humanity. And I don't turn my nose up at anything. I'm just like, oh, yeah, we've got Cards Against Humanity. We can play that. Just whatever. But it's not one of my favorites. But that's just probably because I know all the cards by now. So I kind of know what to expect, you know? Right, right. You have the blank cards. We do. We filled right. some of those in with some weird shit. Just write in some heinous shit. On I, I did get the box. So we do have the big black dick card. Ooh, did you like? Cut it out of the top of the, the yep, lining yep, and stuff? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. That was a special moment in my game. Group it was. I found out about that. It was. When I heard about the rumor of it, I'm like, I wonder if this is true. And there it was the true. big black dick card. I actually played Cards Against Humanity with some high schoolers whenever I taught high school. And I played the card that said a big black dick. And... I sat there for a moment and I was like, this could cost me my job. And I got up and <laughs> I like I, I left. I'm like, you guys win. And they're like, what card did you play? I'm like, don't worry about it. No, no, I'm good. Go I'm good. It's like, nope, nope, nope. I enjoy teaching. Uh not gonna play this card. Mm -hmm. Definitely want to keep this job because I I love doing what I do. 
I don't know if this is a good segue into the next one or not. <laughs> is it about misconceptions about Mis- board gamers? Miscon- yep. Misconceptions and true stereotypes. Because okay. there are, I mean, you know, we, we've kind of talked about here a, a little bit here and there, but there's some truth. Like, there's harmful stereotypes. And then mm-hmm. there's, like, stereotypes. Like, you know what? That's accurate. That represents a group of people. Like, you know, stereotype has a negative connotation to it. Um, just in general, just because of society and how we are with things. But, I mean, there's basis in a lot of things. And there's stereotypes that aren't bad. There's stereotypes that are, like, pretty accurate, especially for something like, you know, we get into a line of geekdom when we're talking about the gatekeepers and the, and the people pleasers and things like that. And so, like, some misconceptions that you would like to address about people that enjoy board games and tabletops and some stereotypes that you're like, you know what? That's pretty damn spot on. That is accurate. I mean, okay, I would say that, like, the biggest stereotype is, like, like, like picture the stereotypical Dungeons & Dragons player match the Gathering player. Mm-hmm. Like, you probably picture a guy on the bigger side, probably not very well, like, we're not well-kempt. He, he, like, doesn't dress nice, kind of looks disheveled. Like, look at Chris right now. Okay. I'm joking. I love you, dude. Um, but like, I mean, you're not wrong. Look at me. <laughs> That is an accurate Just, stereotype. Good job. I, so that we got- <laughs> and it's not a stereotype. Here I am. <laughs> but I, I feel like that is the stereotype for tabletop gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, I also feel like a lot of people kind of stereotype tabletop cap- gamers oh, as like on. really anal. Like, yeah. like I don't know, that's against the rules. You can't do that. That kind of person. Um, but I feel like really, whenever it comes down to it, they're just like varied people like anyone else. I mean... Mm-hmm. I can walk into Wizards Asylum and see like a ton of people that look just like me, like big disheveled guys that are just there to find a nerdy board game. And then you see people that are just there that look like regular people. I mean, there's just all kinds of people that are into it. It's such a great varied hobby. Like I told you that there are so many different themes for board games that like you can find one to fit people. And I feel like that gets kind of overshadowed because I feel like, again, the gatekeeping thing, people are going to be like, oh, that's not as mechanically sound as this game or blah, blah, blah. But I feel like people just need to let that shit go and just let people enjoy the hobby. I think that can be true of any of our... Yeah. Any any of the geekdoms. Like, just let people be. Like, you leave know? the bronies alone. Well... Okay, yeah, we'll leave him alone. <laughs> well, well, I mean, well, I say leave him alone like they can stay over there and do their thing. <laughs> but yeah, we're good with that. I mean, you know, you're just talking about like, and we've hit it several times the gatekeeping, the superiority thing that people have over certain things. Uh, a great example I like to use are some of the games that, like the actual like video games that we play, that Chris and I play, and then other friends and I have played in the past that. Some people are like, why are you playing that game? It's terrible. And like, if you played with us, then you would see why we played this game. The game can be terrible. You can you can have the shittiest, glitchiest, buggiest, most incomplete game ever. I mean, you have a good group of friends to play with and laugh while you're doing it and have a good time and make these stories and things while you're playing said shitty, terrible game. That game sticks with you and you have good memories of that game. And you'll probably go back and play that game again sometimes. Mm-hmm. and absolutely you know, and i think that that carries over to board games you know that you could have the people being snobby about it and like you said you know well 
this mechanic could be way more refined or it'd be better if it was done this way or why would you play this game? It's because I had a good time playing it with the people I was playing it with. That's like at least 50% of it for me. It's all about the, it's about the experience with the people. Right. Like one game that kind of people in the hobby turn their nose up at is Munchkin. I love Um, Munchkin. I mean, I love Munchkin too. Um, But every time I play Munchkin, it's the exact same. You gather ammo until the last round. Someone tries to knock down the last door and win, and you shit all over them until they just are crushed. Um, and I can look at Munchkin and be like, that, that's all Munchkin comes down to. But at the same time, I love it. I love playing that with my friends because, like, we will we'll laugh at each other. We'll taunt each other. It's so much fun. Like, you know, we just tell everybody, like, like what you like. Unapologetically like what you like. And enjoy, who you are. Enjoy what you do. See who you are. This this could get interesting. I'm really curious on this because I know you play a varied type, you know, varied set of games and different stuff. And this will probably be more towards the um, uh, the RPG style games. Um, so DM slash GM or player. Which would you rather do? Man, honestly, a good it question. Just, it kind of just depends on like the mood I'm in. I love. I love both roles. I love being like the storyteller. I love being the person interacting with it. That's a tough one, honestly. Uh, shoot, I don't know. Probably player is what player. I'm going to go with. Just because, like, I don't know. I just love experiencing it and love hearing the story and getting through it. So I'm going to go with player on that one. But that's a tough choice. I hear what Chris says. If you had to pick, if we were going to do a D&D campaign yeah. in five minutes, we were going to start one. Then I'd be a player. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, like, hey, we're going to we're going to start putting one together. I, I, I phrased that way wrong. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I, I like coming up with the scenarios and stuff, mm-hmm. but I have a lot more fun being the player. Yeah, I probably agree with that. I do have more fun being a player. My first D&D experience, I had to DM because nobody else wanted to do it, and I had all the stuff. Even though everybody else had played before. They're like, no, we don't want to DM. You have to do it. It's like, I've never even played. That's cool. You got the books. You got the like, damn yeah. it, you're right. All right. But yeah, that's it's I'm I like being the player more. Like I said, I like coming up with the stuff. I like being creative. But I just think for me, it's more fun not having to enforce the rules. Right. Oh, I'm and a just, terrible DM. Like you guys did that. That makes sense. Cool. We're gonna, All right, you know, good. You're, you're good. I'm, I'm like, we're gonna make because I, I, I've got a role play background. It's not like you got, you have combat focus. I think you have combat focused DMs and you have role play focus mm-hmm. DMs. And I'm more. You of never a role have play the one focus. in the middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a role play focus. Like if it makes sense and the story's gonna keep going and it's go- especially if it's gonna be funny, hell yeah, I'm gonna allow it. Let's do that. But, that was, that was my DM. Like mm-hmm. during that Marvel role playing game, he was, he's basically like, if it makes sense narratively then yes, I will allow it. Yeah. Like, he just, he would roll with it. And we mm-hmm. created so many random different scenarios that were just so freaking wacky. Like, my character create, like, like any kind of weapon based off of, like, the chi that he used or whatever. So there were some battles that I fought with, like, a fishing pole. And he was like, that's awesome. Yeah. The fact that you are fighting Mephisto with a fishing rod, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, and so, you know, I, I like, Man, I really want to get into another role play campaign. But I also like like games like like Scythe, you know, behind us because that's a good, you know, sit down. Like, Chris, have you ever played 
No, I've never even okay. heard of okay, that. So you, you can see, like, so you get these different factions, right? You can see down below, we got the like the yellow wolf. I think it's a wolf. Well, it's got uh, the honeycomb shape, so it's like yeah. a lot of the other ones. It looks like. And then you had the bear, and what's really cool with the hit, and so and they had the other faction, which am I pointing? Am I holding the star? Yep, yep. You're in okay, the so star. like right here. So what is really cool about about this one right here is, and they snuck this in there. It's actually led by Mephisto because they hit oh, him son of a in bitch. the ranks. And that's that's how they snuck Mephisto into the the, the board game. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> it's been a bit. It's been a bit. I owed you. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. There's a red faction. Great game, by the way. Anyway, and I walked right into it face first again. Yeah. Uh, um. I kind of, I'm kind of want to look up Scythe now because you guys are so. It's it's just a fun. I, I just, because you, I, we I both get, said good things about it. It's like a lot of them we talked about. I have a good memory with it. Of I have a good memory of enjoying the game. I don't have a good memory of how to play the game, but I do remember that I liked the game a lot and I wanted to keep playing it, um, even though I lost. I think every time. Now, Matt, I will tell you one a great one to play with your kids because they're about the age. Yeah. Um, it's not a traditional board game. It's 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 a game, you know, board game. Yeti and my spaghetti. I've seen that. Cooper's pointed that out whenever we pass it Walmart. Our youngest loves that game. And it, it mm -hmm. actually is a lot of fun. And you have to make a lot of... You can't be the rule nerd on this when you're playing with little kids. Because they're like, I did it! And you're like, yep, no, you did it. Good job. Good you don't job. You know, yeah. want to necessarily let them win. Because, you know, they need to learn to lose, too. But right. at the same time, they have so much fun with it. That's like one of those that can traverse adults, kids... So that's my recommendation for you with the kids. Oh, I'll look into it. Cooper's seen that on the shelf and really wanted it too. Yeah, it's worth it. If you guys have older kids too, there's a game called Throw Throw Burrito. Throw Throw Burrito. I think I've heard of that. I think I've seen that on Amazon, but I don't know. What's it about? You, you remember the game Spoons? Like once you got a certain card, you pulled a spoon out from the middle of the table and then everyone yeah. grabbed yeah. a spoon? Yeah. It's, it's basically like that, I think. But instead of, like, you get to grab a foam burrito and throw it at someone, and that person's, like, out. I, I haven't, I've never played it, but, like, I've bought it for, like, families with kids that are kind of older. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, they would, they would love this. They get to throw crap at each other. And they've always told me it's a big hit with their kids. That could be dangerous. It's a if very guys... soft burrito. It's very <laughs> soft. Just saying, if the family's in the middle of a fight, it's like... Oh, look, I get to throw the burrito at you. All right. It's a very soft, forgiving burrito. <laughs> very soft, forgiving it's a burrito. Loving burrito. It's a loving much burrito. Like, much like Gandong. Very soft. Yeah, it's quite just Gandong. Very soft. At the beginning. When he wants to be. He's firm when he needs to be. Yeah. He is firm when he needs to be. Cast spell of rigidity. God. Oh. <laughs> mm. Roll two D10s. I got a six and a nine. I know they're definitely D's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Roll up on D's. All on the D's. All on the D's. <laughs> All right. Custom miniatures. Kyle, you put this. What do you want to talk about on this one? Uh, well, miniatures are, you know. A, would you consider that a board game? Not a board game, but I think a part of it. A, a, a big, would. A, yeah, big, I would. a big part of it because 
you have games that have set pieces that come in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some that come, you know, ready to customize on your own. Um, and then you have just this whole thing of custom miniatures for certain, especially for, you know, D and D and other games where you can have your own custom miniatures made or for whatever you want. And I'm just curious, like if, so I know you collect the games. Do you also have a miniatures collection? Yeah. Um, most of my games that come with miniatures, I paint the miniatures. I, I love that aspect of them. Okay. So, it, so it would, this would be along the lines of like Warhammer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see, that's where I was like, yeah, custom miniatures are a game because you buy Warhammer minis and those are the whole component you need to play the game. Just that in a big table to like set up a war, a war zone. A huge so, table for Warhammer, I, if I remember Definitely correctly. a huge zone. But. Um, and here's the thing about the miniatures. It's expensive as hell. Now, it's, it's not cheap. Candy. Well, and I remember the last time I was in our comic shop, local, which Wizards Asylum, like they were they were bitching because the cost to get them in because warhammer is based out of england and the cost to import them is ridiculous i guess right now just with everything going up and they were just bitching about how expensive it was um so i know there it is a big cost like you can buy a single warhammer mini for like 20 dollars, and i think that's ridiculous and that's one well right one I could go into Wizards and buy a two-pack of D&D minis to paint, and they're $5. But Warhammer, is, do you think it's because Warhammer, because it's the name? Or do you think because it's, it's England, and they have to import them in? I think it's 100% the name. I think it's um, the name Warhammer and the Games Workshop Company. I think that, like, it, it's it's what they do. Everyone knows Warhammer. Well, most okay. people are like that are in our circle, they know what Warhammer 40K is or Warhammer. So, like, they've definitely got kind of, like, I don't want to say, like, Monopoly, but they've got a big advantage on, like, other people in that tabletop minigame because of, like, their name and what they do. Right. I, uh, going on the line of managers, I have an obsession of, with a website called Hero Forge. Yeah, where you can make your own. Where you can make your own. I've never ordered one, but I've made so many, like, we had a whole thing for a while when um, back when we were still doing GTA or not Grand Theft Auto RP online, where people were getting on Hero Forge and making miniatures of their character that they made in GTA. And I don't think anybody ever ordered one, but we got into this whole comparison thing where like we were making all of our GTA RP characters, we were making all of our uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 RP characters and making little models of them. And I always wanted to order one, I never did because they also get expensive, especially if you, you can get the unpainted and painted in different versions. and but I think one thing that they had that's cool is if you have access to a 3D printer, instead of buying the miniature from them, you can just buy the schematics, download that, and you can print it yourself, which is that's makes it cool. very accessible. Yeah, they have all these different methods to it, which is really cool. Right. That's actually one thing that I think Games Workshop is kind of pissed off about are 3D printers. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you find someone that downloads like a schematic for an Ultramarine, and then you can print off your own Ultramarine. Yep. So... That's why I really want a 3D printer, just so I can get as many minis to paint as I want. The um, the new position I'm looking at, Chris, has they have a 3D printer in their office. I'm just saying. We'll talk about we that have, after the show. We have two in our office. I just have not taken advantage of them. <laughs> I'll wait a little bit before I do, but it's a high possibility. Mm-hmm. Well, you can... I can make a can, project out of it. You can actually justify it with 
he's Kyle is uh, looking into possibly like kind of what you're doing, Matt. Mm-hmm. I am. I'll hit but you guys you? on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit more after the show because it'll be it's not really related to the topics here, but I want to hear you guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, Thank you, yeah, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, Matt, is there anything you would like to leave as we're wrapping up here? Our listeners, anything you'd like to leave them with, like final thoughts about board games, like just anything. I guess like the most, I think the most beautiful thing about a board game is the human interactivity and just the experience. I think that like, if you want to get into a hobby where you create your own stories, you have very unique experiences and you grow like great relationships with people, the board gaming is the way to go. It isn't the kind of thing where you can get into an Xbox Live lobby and have someone insinuate they slept with your mother. It's just such a great. You can do that though. You yeah. can, like for sure. I mean, we except just came up with Gandong. Gandong has known many mothers. Mm-hmm. If you're face to face with people and they'll punch you in the face. Right. <laughs> but it's just like I don't know, like like just sitting down and like playing that Arkham Horror game where like my homeless person that jumped off a train in this town ended up saving the town and becoming the town hero and sheriff. It is so cool to like create those own stories and like have so many very different experiences. So that's a that's a great way of putting it. Um, and again, it's about the human interaction, just like anything, which I think is starting to become a lost art with social yeah. media, um, keyboard warriors. So it, it's I think it's easier to become a nerd now, or not become a nerd, but. Um, What's what, what am I trying to say? Get here? your uh, voice out. It's easier to get your voice yes. out as a nerd, for sure. But Publicly yes. be a nerd. But then you can, you know, there's all sorts of bad stuff that can happen with it, too. So it's, it's a fine balance, I think. Well, I feel like, you know, with social media, like, people hide behind their anonymity and they can say whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't teach us how to, like, truly interact with people and disagree with people. You get people around a table... And you can have like these good, solid discussions where you disagree or you even have like a slight argument, but you can walk away at the end of the night and you're still friends and you know that that's not going to go anywhere. Right. Good and stuff. I think, I, I think that's a great thing to leave us with, with board games. It's just bringing people together. Absolutely. So now well, just really quick, just cause I want to mention this. Sure, um, sure. If, cause I know that you, where, where'd you say you live Kyle? Uh, I'm down in Hughes County, so way down. I'm down pretty close to Ada. You guys should look up Board Game Arena online. Okay. It is a website that has, like, basically created all these um, online versions of board games to play, and it's very, very good. So, like, if you ever wanted to do, like, a board game night and you couldn't get people together, Mm -hmm. there are lots of websites you can go to that actually, like, recreate the board Mm -hmm. and allow you to play with each other. That's pretty cool. Okay, that's cool. I've and, used Roll20 before, and we've used Tabletop Simulator some before. Tabletop Simulator is a great one. I like Board Game Arena because um, a lot of the games on there are free. And if you want to pay for the premium games, it's like $5 a year or something ridiculous like that. And since the pandemic started, that's what me and a lot of my friends did, was we got on Board Game Arena and we played that way. That is cool. You You kept it. You kept your board night games going even when you couldn't. Right. Okay, that's really cool. Again, everyone listening, Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. Look it up. I'm going to check it out. Already got it pulled up. 
figured you did. Mm -hmm. But Matt, thank you so much for taking time out from your family, being here with us to talk about your passion. Yep. Yeah, I really I do appreciate it. you being on. We do. It's It's been very informative because I didn't know half of this. Um, I know Kyle knew none of it because, you know, he's Kyle. Yep. Um, yeah, look at him. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> so with that, this has been Every Man's Guide to Nerddom. I'm Chris. And I'm Kyle. And thanks again to Matt. And wherever you guys are, have a good evening, good night, good morning, whatever time it is. And please be good to each other. Nerdcore, could rise up. It could get elevated. Nerdcore, could rise up. It could get elevated. Nerdcore used to be just a made-up word. MCs shied away.